0: Oh, shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise question off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Three sides of a strange coin sometimes. Johnny Boy, you got the coin?
1: I sure do, Mitch. Trey heads or tails? Heads, let's go. It was... Heads.
2: Ding, 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 ding,
0: ding, ding. All right, Mitch, give me the ball. Trey wants the ball. All right, so... It's startup season. We've been drafting and drafting. I know that if you're listening to our show, you've probably been drafting. So, Trey, uh, I guess let's do it. If you're in a full PPR, Superflex draft, who is your first non-QB off the board?
2: Well, non-QB, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this is just a layup. You know, he is just heads and tails better than every other running back in the league. It's the most important position in fantasy football uh, and even in Superflex, you know, So, yeah, I mean, uh, Christian McCaffrey, that's that's easy money. He's still good for another three uh, plus years at least. So, uh, yeah, I'll take that huge positional advantage every week and uh, count my uh, my money at the end of the season. I know there's another side to this coin, though, Tarek, who you
0: got.
3: Oh, yeah. And the other side that I'm very convincingly and with a lot of gusto and belief behind my voice, I'm going to make is that it's Jonathan Taylor and definitely not Christian McCaffrey. Right. (laughs) It's Jonathan Taylor, who is, you know, three or four years younger than Christian McCaffrey. He's got a lot of value insulation. He showed what he could do at the end of last year. And I think that role is only going to grow. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think how I can keep bullshitting for the next 15, 20 seconds, uh, and, and, and not just completely agree with Trey and throw my hands up in the air.
0: No big deal. that he missed all last year? Yeah, it is.
3: It's a massive deal, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude.
0: <laughs> I was trying to send you an olive branch there, John. I I
3: appreciate that, Mitch.
1: I don't know, Mitch. I don't know how these guys did not take Saquon. I mean, let's think about the pros of Saquon here. Huge injury risk now. Worst (laughs) O-line in the NFL. Best quarterback. He's got nobody at quarterback. I'm taking Saquon, man.
2: Oh, you got to love the coaching staff, too. Oh, Jason (laughs) Garrett, man. I
0: forgot the coaching staff. You know, the best part, though, guys, the best part is I've seen all of those things happen already in these startup drafts, and that's that's the fun part that shit happens. It's wild.
2: I'm surprised nobody said justin jefferson he's he's my wide receiver one, and uh I don't know
3: it, he's the guy that I was considering choosing over Jonathan Taylor just to like make the receiver argument and like the the uh age arc and value arc of receivers over running backs but like my honest opinion is that it's patrick mahomes then it's christian mccaffrey then it's jonathan taylor um that's who i would take with the first three picks of even a super flex draft and i know that's not necessarily a very common strategy usually those guys like kyler murray and josh allen are going Um, Before any of the running backs and I think that's fine, but I think that Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor offer such a value gulf between the rest of the running backs to where at the end of the second round, if you get a Russell Wilson, if you can get a Joe Burrow or a Trevor Lawrence, it's not as big of a gulf between those guys and like a Kyler Murray as it is with the other running backs. Christian McCaffrey is good. (laughs) Heard it here first.
1: Analysis.
3: Yeah, (laughs) drop that motherfucking intro. (laughs) What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host. Tarik Angry T Bentria with me as always, John Alexander, Trey Cryon, and Mitch Yates. John, what's the deal, dude?
1: Um I'm pretty ecstatic. Uh just a follow-up from last week. Austin FC has signed a striker. Breaking news. So you know, you need to get on the bandwagon and start calling yourself Tark Bentria, I think.
3: Tariq Bentria. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs>
0: You know what? I'm going to be in Austin. So I'm going to be in Austin with John at an yeah. Austin F tree game uh, on July. What the seventh can't wait, dude.
1: Next week.
3: Yeah. Trey, how you doing, man? I'm loving all this Austin FC content and every intro to the show. <laughs> you know, this
2: is this is why people keep tuning in. It's for that Austin FC hard hitting coverage week in week out. So, uh, yeah, we got to give the listeners what they crave. And uh, it's it's trees
3: Hail if there's one thing we know, it's that NFL fans really like hearing about the MLS. <laughs> well, hey,
0: speaking, speaking of fans, uh, I think we need to do a couple shout outs to some of our new fans like uh, Trey Will from Florida. Uh, thank you in advance for your money that I'll be winning in that league, dude. Really appreciate it. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Boshoven, one of our new listeners, also just joined uh, one, of the, uh, one of the leagues because of this show. Uh, he joined his first dynasty league. So yeah. shout out to you, That's man. Awesome. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome.
3: Speaking of joining leagues, uh, I wanted to plug something really quick before we get right into these uh, team previews. Um, we want to start a show league. So if you are interested in joining a startup, Dynasty League, Superflex, End Premium, that's essentially connected to the launch of this podcast and that will be kind of referred to on this podcast moving forward. We just kind of want to find a way to create a league that's directly connected to the long game. So if you are interested, the only requirements are that you listen to the show and that you're not in a league with us already. So if you want to, DM us on Twitter at TLG underscore Dynasty. All right, let's get right into it, guys. We are talking about the AFC West. Lots to discuss in this division. We'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs at quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, our QB1. This is quite easy. We don't really need to talk about the player that much. Let me just ask this, John. If you're in a rebuild, do you consider a grandfather offer for Mahomes in Superflex, something like Justin Fields in two future firsts?
1: I'm definitely considering it, but I think it depends on the extent of the rebuilds. If you think you can be competitive in two or three years, Mahomes is still going to be relevant then, and he could still be the centerpiece of your team. But if you're like in a real deep hole, you should probably take that offer because that's that's uh, that's not an offer you're gonna get every day. Uh but you gotta think about, you know, if you take that offer, whoever's whoever's taking Mahomes from you is probably gonna be winning championships are gonna be pretty close. So you just gotta count on those being late first, probably. Uh but yeah, I'm definitely thinking about it. Uh but I mean I'm not gonna blame anyone for sitting on Mahomes for the next ten years either.
2: Yeah, I mean, well put. Uh Mahomes isn't <laughs> that old yet. It's hard it's hard to imagine like that he's been this successful, like, you know, and he's only what, like, in his fourth year in the league at this point. So uh, yeah, he'll be around for another nine or 10 years. So he will probably be around by the time you're done rebuilding. But I think fields and two first sounds about right for uh, for Mahomes value wise.
3: Yeah, Mitch, it kind of seems like if you have Patrick Mahomes, you can, you can pretty much decide what your price is for him and just wait. And eventually you'll probably get it and if you
0: don't you still have Patrick Mahomes that's right. the best part and so like there are a few guys out there like that like i think Jonathan Taylor um i have experienced as well it's just like you can create that price because you don't need to move him anytime soon and if that price comes along sure you take it but until then whatever yep
2: well put
3: right yeah and mitch i love that you brought up jonathan taylor because that's kind of the point i was like fumbling through in the intro is that if, if you think about how easy it is to get godfather returns for players, understanding the market kind of tells you that Patrick Mahomes is at the top of that list, and then Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor are right after him. So that's why I'm interested in them in the top five of a dynasty startup. All right, Mahomes is easy, guys. Let's move on to the running backs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is running back 17 in our consensus rankings. We can comfortably call his rookie season a disappointment, at least relative to the expectations he had as a first-round running back going to the Kansas City Chiefs with Patty Mahomes. However, 1,100 scrimmage yards in 13 games isn't bad, and he he didn't find the end zone very much, only five times. But he had 36 receptions and a healthy 8.2 yards per catch is encouraging. Trey, you have Clyde the Glide at RB13, which is a few spots above both our consensus and most rankings tools out there. So why are you ahead of market here?
2: Hey man, Clyde the Glide. I love the uh the Rockets uh shot out uh shout out there. So um H Town. You said it already. He was extremely unlucky last year with touchdowns. I think we all remember the uh performance in week one where he got shut out on the goal line, like two or three carries in a row and That was kind of a uh, preview of the way the rest of the season would go for him. And uh, I think it was just luck because he's not really a small guy. He's got the 32 BMI, so he should be a fine option for the Chiefs in the red zone. And if you look at the volume he had last year, he had 14 carries and roughly four targets a game. So if you project that over a 17 game season, that's like 300 touches and 70 plus targets, which is well within uh, top 10 uh workload um for this year so he just turned 22 he's attached to the best offense in the league and the two biggest issues uh for him last year i think are fixed you know part of that was the o-line uh they were missing a lot of guys uh dr larry's back at guard now and they got orlando brown from the ravens at left tackle so the the o-line is retooled and uh bell came in halfway through the year last year and uh, started eating into his uh his workload and he's gone now so yeah, I like CEH a lot, man. I think he's uh he's got a chance to bounce back this year. And I'd I'd rather have him on my squad than guys like uh Zeke or Aaron Jones who are a little bit older and may outscore him this year, but um, you know, just don't present as much value long term.
1: I of the guys that I have ranked in where I've got CEH, like in the back half of uh running back twos, he's got The highest ceiling. If he gets the workload that uh, Trey is referring to right now, he's going to be a top five, top six running back in dynasty basically overnight. If he's getting uh, ten to fifteen to twenty touches per game, that's going to be insane volume, and he's going to be he's going to go right back to where he was preseason last year. He's going to be a top five guy. So I don't necessarily uh, disagree with what Trey's saying there. I think that might be a little looking through rose colored glasses a little bit, but I definitely see the potential. I'm just not sure that the Chiefs are ready to commit to him like that just yet.
0: And see, I see the potential in the offense, but I'm the the lowest on him because I'm scared off of what I've seen. And what scares me the most is his inability to break open field tackles. So like, he's actually pretty good after, uh, after the first uh, touch or attempted tackle or whatever. But like Trey referenced um, on the in the goal line, it just it it looks like they've tr- they've tried to give him the opportunities and he's squandered them. So I think he's going to continue to get opportunities, and that's definitely something that you want to see if you've invested in him. But if he continues to not make the best out of them, uh, they're going to look for other avenues. And um, I think two years for a first round pick, if he doesn't figure it out this year, they're definitely going to be um, searching in for another guy
2: yeah mitch i mean i th- I think a lot of that does kind of fall on what happened with the o-line last year i mean we saw that um you know came back to bite them in the super bowl and ultimately why they lost to uh tom brady and the bucks um you know he had a top 20 season in terms of yards created per touch but his uh run blocking efficiency was uh you know number 45 in the league uh so you know, i think now that that o-line is retooled there's there's room for improvement for clyde for sure
3: Daryl Williams uh, is probably the handcuff to own here. They've shown it different times that they trust him kind of on the goal line and to handle a lot of the pass protection work. Uh, So got to think if Clyde went down, Daryl would be a pretty high end handcuff. What about Elijah Maguire or Jarek McKinnon? Are they just dead weight? Uh, I mean, mostly, right? I think Jarek McKinnon
0: has like a slight 2021 value in that if something were to happen to ceh then i feel like he's kind of the same type of guy that would fit that system well but what he's getting old Uh, who knows if he's got anything left i mean uh he he sure thinks he does but i i think that he's one of those back of the back of the roster if you have ceh i like him as the handcuff as opposed to the other guys interesting but his value is not very high
2: Yeah, I I like Darrell Williams more. I mean, we've seen handcuffs be incredibly efficient in this Andy Reid, excuse me, in this Andy Reid, Kansas City offense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would rather Darrell Williams over these other guys.
3: All right. So moving on to the wide receivers, Tyreek Hill is our wide receiver three in consensus rankings, entering his age 27 seasons. So just smack in the middle of his prime consistency mixed with weak winning upside is what you want to see and he was ninth in targets last year with 134 which was kind of surprising to me looking back on it so he has the volume to go along with the big plays as good a case as any to be the wide receiver one right john
1: yeah and uh, the only reason i've got him in my rankings is wide receiver four which is lower than y'all is you know Devontae Adams scores 18 touchdowns, and J. Jeff, as uh, Trey had already mentioned, is the guy. And I'm a big AJ Brown guy. Uh, nothing against Tyreek. He, as, for all the reasons you said, I think you can expect another four or five seasons of uh, high level production. And uh, they don't really have a wide receiver too. It's Tyreek and Kelsey. Like, and so if you've got Tyreek, you're feeling great. You're not. There's not like a lot of competition uh in terms of targets that's why he had so many so i'd expect that pace to continue it's not like they brought in anyone else a significant upgrade um and he's probably going to last longer than kelsey so you you got to figure that those targets only are going to increase as time goes on
2: yeah john uh, so just to clarify there i actually have him as my wide receiver five so a slot lower than you and uh that's because I've, I've moved up uh, Calvin Ridley over him. And um, part of that is me just buying into uh, Ridley being the lone man uh, there in Atlanta. So I think he's going to get the edge in terms of uh, target share compared to uh, Tyreek Hill. And um, the other part is, you know, Hill benefited from like 17 total touchdowns last year. So it is going to be really hard for him to repeat that level of efficiency. So. Um Ridley's a year younger and I think they give similar uh type production this year so that's why I've uh slotted him at 4 and Hill at 5. Fair
0: enough. Yeah, and I can't remove Tyreek from number 1 until well, until I see any reason to do so. Uh that ability to win you any game any week. Um if I am like if I'm competing for the title this year, I want no other wide receiver than Tyreek Hill on my team.
3: Yep, fair enough. Miko Hardman is our wide receiver 66 getting a lot of camp hype right now as an improved route runner. His route participation has been his biggest impediment thus far in his career. He's kind of a 50% route participation player or sometimes even less Trey, Do you expect that to possibly improve with Sammy Watkins out of the picture?
2: Yeah, it's, it's really tough to project because all of these guys kind of fit that similar sort of just depth piece profile, um, I mean, Hardman, out of the other guys, like at least he's a former second-round pick, so I think he's got as good a chance as any. Um, but you're right. I mean, Kelsey is the wide receiver, too, so uh, most likely Hardman's going to end up falling in that uh, top 60, wide receiver five range.
0: Yeah, and I think the Chiefs have shown us that even when Tyreek Hill misses a game or so, nobody else becomes that guy. Nobody fills in that wide receiver one. They just spread the ball out a lot more. Uh Demarcus Robinson has looked good in times, but then he fades back away because he was just the benefactor of receiving the targets those games. I, I don't think they're ever gonna game plan Demarcus Robinson or any of these other guys into the into the plan. It's Tyree Kill and it's uh Kelsey.
3: Is speaking of any of these other guys, Cornell Powell and Byron Pringle are also on the roster. Um Cornell Powell was recently drafted by them in the fifth round. John, you are the highest on Cornell Powell out of all of us. So uh, what do you think of him?
1: I think he's got a chance to be the uh, second wide receiver in that offense, but I'm not sure that that has any meaning for fantasy for the reasons we've already talked about. Because it's Tyreek, it's Kelsey, and then it's almost forgettable after that. I think he's got a chance to carve out a role, but I'm with Trey. I think miko has got the best chance to do that. I think he's worth a stash. On your taxi squad just to see what's going to happen but I'm not going to overpay to get Cornell Powell
2: yeah I mean the fact that he was a fifth rounder and he was a uh, a fourth year senior year breakout at Clemson I it just tells me his ceiling is probably pretty low so he might be a decent NFL player but not much value for your fantasy team
0: Trey are you trying to trade for me
2: Cole Hardman Uh, no, I'm not actively targeting him at all. I think he's got good upside. Uh, so I, you know, I, I recently accepted him in a deal as a kind of a throw in piece, but, uh, he's not something I'm going out and trying to buy
3: for sure. All right. At the tight end position, we've mentioned him multiple times. His name is Travis Kelsey. He's the tight end one in our rankings right now, seven straight tight end one seasons, five straight as the tight end one age 32 season. The volume for him is essentially guaranteed as long as he's healthy. And If we expect him to have the type of 30s, like the decade of his age 30s that Tony Gonzalez had, he should probably still be ranked as the tight end one for everyone. But can we fairly expect that, John?
1: Uh, You know, I think you can expect it this year. I'm probably in the minority here. I think that Travis Kelsey is like a ticking time bomb. He's going to be elite until he's not. He's going to fall off a cliff at some point, and I expect it to be sudden. I think it's going to be an injury or something's going to happen, and he's just going to drop off a cliff. I think you can fairly expect him to be the tight end one this season. I wouldn't count on anything after that. That's why at some point this season, uh, I've got Travis Kelsey as my tight end three. I think that's going to—I'm going to be watching him very closely at some point. I'm going to move up Hawk. I'm going to move up Waller um just because the age has to be a factor he can't play forever right
0: yeah until he's like running away with the wide receiver title as a tight end halfway through the season and you're like oh wait he's kelsey never mind
1: right it, it, that's what i'm saying he's gonna be elite and then at some point it's got he's it, gonna hit that cliff. it's gotta happen
2: yeah john i think you're, you're onto something there i mean most tight ends his age are really only gonna have like one or two productive years left Uh, but you know, he kind of falls in that hall of fame exception bracket. And so if he does have three productive years left in the tank, then he absolutely should still be our, our tight end one, because I think he's probably going to outscore Waller and Kittle again by, you know, like two points a game or something like that. So
1: all I'm saying is if I've got Kelsey, I'm thinking really hard about getting Hawk in a first, if I can, uh, if I can get Mark Andrews in a first, if I can, I'm, I'm thinking about that real hard at some point this season, and maybe at the end of next
3: season.
2: Well, well, I I like uh, Hawk better than Andrews, but we'll get into that the next two
3: weeks. All right, so we will wrap up that discussion of the Kansas City Chiefs and move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. At quarterback, Derek Carr is our quarterback 26. I am currently the lowest on him at QB 30. And when I saw that I went to my sheet with the intention of raising him, because I think he's underrated, but I just couldn't find a way to get him much higher. I'll probably bump him over Goff, who is my QB twenty-nine, but I think everyone else I have presents more upside. But I think he's underrated as a QB two option. John, you've got him the highest at QB twenty-four.
1: Look, the Raiders have had every opportunity to drop uh David Carr off the side of a cliff. Like they have David Carr. <laughs> De- Derek Carr. Whoops, other guy. The thing about Carr for me is that he has been productive in John Gruden's system, and not every quarterback can say that. It's a complicated system. It's difficult, and that's why I think that they're not going to turn their back on him because it's not the sort of system where they could just pick up a guy and run with them next year. They're committed to him because he knows the system, and he's running it pretty efficiently. So I've got him high because I think I'd be pretty happy having him as my second or third QB in Superflex. Uh, just because I'm I'm figuring he's going to be around for at least two or three more seasons. They haven't really shown any signs that they're interested in replacing him, and they're trying to build around him from as much as I can tell.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I, I can see him as your third quarterback in Superflex. Second, not super happy about that. And where you say he's going to be like maybe there for two or three more years, I don't know about all that either. I think there's a good chance he's a backup next year. I think he's got his job this year. And I think he starts with his job next year, maybe, but that I, I don't see the upside there. So like, I don't, I'm not targeting him, but um, unless he's my third quarterback in a super flex.
2: Yeah. Mitch, I think I agree with that. I, I definitely think he's just bench depth at this point. And occasionally you might be able to play some matchups and get some QB one type weeks out of him. But, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, he's kind of a low upside bench player and, uh, um I mean, he does do some things well, I mean, John, you mentioned like he has been you know productive in that offense in the past. he's actually shown really good ability on the uh the deep passing game and his uh deep passing accuracy, so I think that bodes well with some of the pieces they have in this offense but uh for whatever reason he hasn't like put together that top uh you know q b one type season I don't think we're ever going to get that from derek Carr
1: I will say this one last thing about Derek Carr is that this has got to be a make or break season for him. They, they've they given him the tools. They've tried to reset the offensive line. They've gone for youth. I think that if he does it this year, he's around. But if he totally flops over at some point this season, then I think Mitch is right and he'll be gone next season.
0: How do you think the Raiders are really going to do next year? That's the thing. It's like the Raiders are in that division, right? Like they're not they're not fucking winning that division. They're not getting second place in that division. Derek Carr's fucking out of there, bro.
1: Derek Carr can do well without them winning games, though. Like they can lose games and he can still look good.
2: He's also tied to. He's also tied to Gruden, you know. So like, as long as Gruden's there, Carr might what be there too.
3: Seven more years. Yeah. All right, Mitch. Marcus Mariota did have that one game last year where he absolutely balled out in relief of Carr. He's a clear roster and super flex, but is he worth rostering in one QB? No uh he,
0: <laughs> <laughs> certainly is not no uh but he absolutely is in Superflex because if Carr gets benched or breaks his femur or whatever like then yeah uh mariota would be a good plug-in especially because he's free now as far as single qb no he's not going to finish he's not going to be putting up top 12 quarterback performances even if he does get the gig hit his ass on the on the waiver
3: wire I mean, he's got that rushing upside, so I think like he put up a like a top five finish when he came in for Carr. So I think it's possible.
0: Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of tape on that dude. Not a lot of it's good.
3: <laughs> That's true. That's true. And you know best <laughs> as a Titans fan. Indeed, so. I do. Let's move on to the running backs for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is RB twenty one in our consensus. Kind of been one of the biggest fallers of the 2021 offseason, mainly due to the signing of Kenyon Drake, but also because of a pretty inefficient 2020 was still number 12 in fantasy points per game last year. Number four in evaded tackles behind a pretty bad offensive line Trey, Has the Jacobs fall been too precipitous?
2: So I think it's actually probably uh, about right. So, I mean, the issue with him isn't just the inefficiency last year. You mentioned the if like the O line wasn't great, but they also let half that O-line walk in free agency. So you know the the players that they did have that were good are now playing for other teams. So Jacobs uh sorts out as the like a low end RB two in my projections. And so it's a low upside type player without that passing game work. And they brought in Kenyon Drake, who's probably going to get all that um that work in the passing game. So uh to me, he kind of just looks like uh Nick Chubb without the talent at this point. Oof, sick burn.
1: No, I've got him ranked the same as Trey. I'm right
0: there. I, I agree with you, Trey, as well. Uh he's people are fading him for a reason. And really the reason isn't Kenyon Drake. Uh I, I don't think that him coming in there is like, oh shit, it's Kenyan Drake. Watch out. He's in the building. I think it's more just his his value was that he had that lion's share of the carries and the workload. And now that he doesn't have that, his numbers are definitely going to drop. And right, if you're playing PPR, which most people are these days in Dynasty, <clears throat> uh, you know, I'd say I'd say his value is pretty fucked right now.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm going to just piggyback out back off that. When he was coming out of Alabama, we thought, or at least I thought, that his biggest at his best attribute in the NFL was going to be his pass catching ability. And the Raiders have absolutely refused to throw him the ball. And that's got to be the biggest thing for me on Josh Jacobs yeah. right now. I
2: mean, maybe I should just clarify. He's not dead, guys. Like, he's still an RB, two. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he he just presents low upside at this point in his career.
3: All right. Uh, we've mentioned his name several times, and that's Kenyon Drake, who comes out at RB 36 for us. Got a two-year contract worth up to about $14.5 million. I do have him the highest at RB33, and that's just a function for me of very clear standalone value combined with being a high-end handcuff, and he's kind of like a poor man's Kareem Hunt for me, if you will. John, counter me with your RB42 rank.
1: He's a bit of a journeyman, isn't he? He's uh, Miami, Arizona, now uh, the Raiders, and in all of those instances, he's been a boomer bust kind of guy. Like, when when he hits, you're real happy and if he's if he hits when you're playing against him, you're real sad. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that he's, he's going to be very consistent in this offense. What the Raiders have been trying to do is get younger, and they've gotten younger on the offensive line. They shipped out a bunch of uh, older offensive linemen in in favor of younger ones, and I don't think that offensive line is going to be very good. PFF's got him ranked as uh, the 25th offensive line right now, and they're in a really hard division, so I'm just—I'm not sure I see the upside. I'm never going to be comfortable playing him in most situations, um, just because I'm not sure if he's going to boom or bust. So I—I I, just—I don't really see the upside in playing Kenyon Drake, and I don't expect him. I think he signed a two-year contract, but like, what, what Where's he going to be after those two years? It's like uh, done, yeah, <laughs> retired, super done, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. if it doesn't work out here, it's just not going to work.
0: I'd like to point out that Trey called uh, Josh Jacobs the uh, poor man's Nick Chubb, and Tarek called Kenyon Drake the poor man's Kareem Hunt. So basically, yeah, we
3: I should I should clarify destitute
0: man's li- Kareem Hunt. Listen, go man, ahead. They're, they're, I, we're just saying that the Raiders are a poor man's Browns, uh, that, and that's just you know <laughs> the biggest compliment that I can think I, I've ever heard. So uh, go, sorry, Raiders.
1: Br- the Browns have an offensive line, and the Raiders.
3: Yeah, they want- have
2: like maybe the best O line in the league.
3: Right. And Raiders do not. Let's move on to the wide receivers. So there's two second year guys who face planted in year one, shout out DFB encounter, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. And they're essentially in the same tier in our consensus ranks. Ruggs is wide receiver 59 and Edwards is wide receiver 63. We all have Rugs ahead, but Mitch, you're the only one that has significant separation between the two. So explain your perspective there.
0: Yeah, you know what? I did I did adjust that, but uh you guys caught me caught me sleeping there because Brian Edwards is one of those guys that is um very, very underrated, flying under the radar. I've read a few articles about him and people are starting to target him in a lot of leagues. Um, but he's so far down there simply because I, I think that Ruggs, Edwards, John Brown, and Derek Carr none of that sounds sexy to me and I'm erring on side of uh on rugs just because of the uh the draft cap that they they spent on him there
2: yeah I mean I'm not ignoring the fact that they brought in John John Brown I know I've said before like he hasn't really prevented anybody from ever getting theirs before but he could very easily be the target share leader in this offense and I think he probably should be the favorite to lead in targets so um, I mean, with rugs, I think he was just a, a classic Raiders overdraft and they just really fell in love with his speed and athleticism, even though he never cleared 17 and percent, uh dominator in college in his three years at Bama. So yeah, I mean, I like Edwards a lot. I think he's got some great upside, but there is, he's obviously his floor is basically nothing because there's just not a lot of, um, room to eat behind, uh, the, the real wide receiver one, which is uh Darren Waller, the tight end.
3: Yeah, Brian Edwards. You don't see a seventeen point eight breakout age really ever. I don't think we've ever seen that. It's in the hundredth percentile. Um, but yeah, I mean, y'all mentioned John Brown. I I personally think John Brown is going to be a thorn in the side of Brian Edwards truthers at least until twenty twenty two because. He's a really good receiver. You know, we love that Matt Harmon stamp of approval on reception perception. And I think Derek Carr is really going to love him. But he's 31 years old, and he's got a pretty impressive injury resume. So, John, what do you think about uh, John Brown?
1: Well, honestly, I think you've never been more wrong. (laughs) I think (laughs) I I love the value of John Brown here. His DLF ADP is like 220 right now, which is like the 18th round. And that's great value there because he signs the one-year contract. And so I think he's relevant uh he might be a flex play but there's no way this guy is getting in the way of uh Brian Edwards this season before his injury uh he was he had an excellent preseason last year and look he had the injury it was a covid year the breakout's coming for Brian Edwards and I'm I'm full on that boat I'm expecting it to happen um and I think that Brown is good for both Edwards and for Henry Ruggs cuz I think Henry Ruggs can move into the slot and he can be not the primary guy. Um, he can still be the speed threat, but running across the center, I think that'd be better for him. Uh, but I don't expect John Brown to be getting in the way of anyone, especially Brian Edwards' breakout this season.
0: John Alexander's talking about practice. Talk about preseason. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Brian Edwards' preseason, baby. Oh, man, I miss football. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if you could say this phrase, John Brown, could seriously be the number one wide receiver in this offense and actually believe it. That is not saying enough for me about the rest of the wide receivers there. And I, I think Brian Edwards is one of those players that people are going to pay a lot for this offseason And then just, he's just kind of become a guy again.
3: Well, by that token, Mitch, let's talk about the wide receiver one in Las Vegas. And that is Darren Waller, the tight end. He's currently tied in four in our rankings. And look, I think if you're doing a pure contender ranking, I could appreciate having him at the tight end one because he's got more volume security than Kittle because he is the unquestioned wide receiver one. In addition to that, he's proven it in the NFL for a few years, unlike Kyle Pitts, who's an incoming rookie, and he's three and a half years younger than Kelsey, which still matters in Dynasty, even if you're a contender. Now, is possibly considering Darren Waller the tight end one for contenders is that too cute Mitch
0: nope it is not because Waller is still tier one and so I think that's an important thing to to bring up here is that when we talk about these top four tight ends they're in that tier and yes like sure I think Kelsey is tight end one but I'm not going to get upset if somebody says I think Waller is tier one because he's got three and a half years younger than Kelsey and He's clearly the number one guy there i'm I'm never gonna get mad at somebody for that, but Kelsey still hasn't shown that sign of declining or John's uh drop dead in the middle of the uh, of the moment there um but he's still got Patrick Mahomes and Waller still has uh David Carr right so
2: uh David Carr
0: yeah uh, <laughs> uh he still can't do it I want to move him up but I can't can't do it
2: no I mean waller is right there with Kittle in my uh redraft projections for this year so i i definitely think you know they're all in the same tier as mitch already said if you want to move him up to your number one and kind of discount kelsey for uh his age then you know by all means go for it and uh then it's just to think a question of like what is waller worth uh as like a trade target on the you know if you are a contender would you give up a guy like You know, Chris Godwin or Josh Jacobs, you know, his teammate straight up for for Waller at this point in his career. I
0: would. I absolutely, I've I've been considering like Mike Evans in a first for Waller and a tight end premium, dude. I don't give a fuck. Like that, that's how valuable Waller is uh, because after those top six tight ends, five even, it's over. If you're trying to contend, three
1: even.
3: No, it's a huge
2: positional advantage for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the dynasty community in general is just getting smarter and realizing that if you don't have a top six, five or six guy then you might as well just wait and not even try to get a tight end at all <laughs> uh, but as far as well, i just wanted to piggyback off of one thing that trey said there as far as his age being compared to kittle we got to remember that this guy has only been playing playing tight end for what two or three seasons so right. he doesn't have a lot of wear on those tires so uh we can we can expect him to play for probably another five seasons is my guess
3: all right everyone to quote Nasty Nas, mic check. It is halftime. For a reminder, our halftime segment is a question that I ask each week of our panelists, and they respond with an argument-based answer, and I choose always arbitrarily who had the best argument. And for this halftime, we're getting into the real shit. You know, we're not going to talk about fantasy points and buys and sells and all that bullshit. (laughs) We're going to talk about this. Which NFL team has the best uniforms? And this opinion can either be based in their entire kit, so the group of all of their uniforms, or if you have a particular colorway that you're especially passionate about, you can start with that. Trey, go for it.
2: So this is an easy answer for me. Best uniforms in the league go to the Seattle Seahawks and that neon green they've got going through those unis, man. It is so sick watching Seattle on Sundays. I mean, just think back a few years ago with uh, the Legion of Boom you know shutting down every single passing offense that came through seattle you know think about like beast mode just thundering through like the the saints defense in the playoffs i mean they they've got the coolest uniforms and they look better than you do as they're beating you up so yeah i'm seattle number one
3: beast quake yeah those highlighters are a very polarizing uniform people either love them or hate them i love it man it's unique john you're next
1: yeah i mean trey is absolutely wrong here because those neon jerseys have got to be the ugliest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life so <laughs> sorry trey uh no i'm going with the chargers here i'm loving i don't know if you want to call it the powder blue or the baby blue but that shit is sexy like the powder blue and the white or the powder blue and the yellow with the little uh charger symbol going down on the pants i think that's they you just like nobody looks bad in that uh Uh, I'm not a big fan of the darker blue, like the color rush they've got, but uh, anything with the powder blue, and I think anyone wearing that jersey just looks sexy as hell.
3: The powder blue is pretty sick. Mitch, bring us home.
0: Sure. Well, I want you to close your eyes for this one and imagine the ocean and then the sun in the background and then a dolphin emerging from the ocean with a fucking helmet on for some reason. And then he jumps through the sun and then he straps on that white out uniform with teal siding. No, that's it, Tarek that's it that's that's the,
3: that's the whole argument that's all just right. sexy.
0: that's just <laughs> sexy bro that dolphin in <laughs> that helmet holy fuck i
3: i bet i bet trey will from florida is gonna love that <laughs> argument <laughs> nah man he's a Jags fan yeah trey will from florida yeah hit us up trey will are you a jags or a dolphins or a bucks fan we gotta know I mean, Mitch very clearly knows that my favorite uniforms in the NFL are the Dolphins all white with the teal siding. So, I mean, you pandered, you got it, Mitch, you win. <laughs> right? uh, got him. So that that means Mitch is going to take the lead in the halftime points. That's six for Mitch, five for Trey, and two for John, who is purposely trying to lose every halftime. So it's it's honestly a testament to the fact that he has two points.
1: I fell off my ass backwards into those two points. I didn't deserve them. I'm sure.
3: Trey, I want to let you know I'm only going to start complaining again until
0: you take or when you take the lead. So uh, I'm not at I'm not going to be complaining for at least two weeks. I promise you.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I bust my ass laughing when you're talking about the dolphin jumping <laughs> through the sun with the football helmet on. So you <laughs> hey, you earned it this week, man.
1: How was Trey not pandering as well? That that's like that's your those are your that's your team. Oh, I mean, other than that other team.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm technically a Cowboys fan, but a closeted Seahawks fan, but I'm really not in the closet about it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mitch really put that dolphin in our mind's eye. So, yeah, I think he deserves it in addition to it being my bias. So
1: I, I got to tell you, I closed my eyes and I was seeing it. I really <laughs> saw it.
3: I saw it, too. That was a, a really good meditation voice, uh, Mitch. All right, let's kick off this second half. We're going to talk about the Denver Donkeys and the L.A. Chargers. Snow Donkeys. The Snow Donkeys. Yes, thank you, Mitch. At quarterback, the ultimate camp battle, Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. The camp buzz favors Teddy Cigarettes. As such, Bridgewater is ranked higher for us, pretty much at the end of starting QB ranks. Trey, which QB do you want to win the battle? For dynasty purposes, in this super exciting battle,
2: you're just gonna casually drop that Teddy Cigarettes uh, nickname on our uh, on our (laughs) listeners without even acknowledging that. So, uh, well done, man. No, no context. Teddy Cigarettes. He smokes
0: smokes a lot of cigarettes. Give the guy a break. We all got our fucking vices.
1: Every NFL athlete. Yeah, well, just
2: look at his look at his picture. I mean, the guy's got some rings around the eyes, like he's been smoking uh, cowboy killers for decades. (laughs) No, I, I, so guys, look, I'm, I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan, actually. Uh, You know, I really liked him uh, coming out of college and, uh, you know, obviously he had the giant injury in uh, Minnesota and uh, he's kind of bounced around the league since then. And uh, he had a pretty decent year last year in, uh, in Carolina. Uh, but to answer your question, um, I do think that uh, Bridgewater will be like the better quarterback for that offense and it's mostly because of his accuracy and I think he'll actually be able to get to the ball the ball to you know the pass catchers in that offense uh, I mean look at what Drew Lock did last year he had like a 57% completion percentage with like a 1 to 1 touchdown interception ratio you know meanwhile Teddy in Carolina had a 69% completion percentage he had 15 touchdowns Yeah 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions and he had 7.6 yards per attempt which is a full yard greater than drew lock. And I know lock gets love as like a downfield upside type guy, but you know, Teddy was more efficient last year in that area. So he's, I think he's the better quarterback today, the more accurate passer. And, you know, he's going to be better for those wide receivers, even if he's not more, you know,
3: dynamic than, uh, drew lock is drew lock also gets love as a young GZ fan. So just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I, I want to agree with Trey here, uh, that, Bridgewater is the guy I'm rooting for. I think you're right, Trey. He gets knocked because he doesn't throw the ball downfield. But people forget, uh, last year, DJ Moore, in half PPR, was wide receiver 22. uh, Robbie Anderson, wide receiver 24. And Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 25. He He supported nearly three wide receiver twos. And that's nothing to scoff at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm here to tell you both, well, and everybody listening, that rooting for either one of these guys to win this camp battle is a fool's errand. Because... Both of them are going to be playing next year at some point. I don't know who's going to be starting at the beginning of the year, but I can almost feel that they're not going to be uh, the the guy starting the entire season. Hmm. Like, Drew Locke, if he wins, I think that's better for fantasy because he just closes his eyes and prays to trees and just yucks it up there, which is great, like Jameis Winston style, right? But if uh, we've seen Teddy Bridgewater not really support wide receivers in fantasy, so I'm definitely rooting against him. But I have the full expectations that both of them are going to get a shot this year on the Snow Donkeys.
3: Yeah, Trey, it doesn't look like you agree with that analysis.
2: Yeah, I mean, Drew Locke may chuck it up, but if he's only completing 57% of his passes, then that means his receivers are just you know, uh, running into DBs or, or whatever and not getting you fantasy points. So yeah, I'd rather have the quarterback who can actually you know, get the ball in his receiver's hands.
0: On a screen pass, man. Yeah. I mean, that's Mitch
2: Bridgewater had a 7.6 yards per attempt last year, and Drew Locke had a 6.6, 6, a full yard less, because he couldn't complete any passes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, in terms of efficiency, Teddy hasn't beat already.
0: Sure. He, but you miss every shot you don't take. And then I, I guess Drew Locke's case, he just fucking misses every shot. Yeah. like, <laughs> I, like, I, it's, like it's like every other shot.
2: I mean, look, guys, really what we should all be rooting for is Aaron Rodgers to actually make the trade over to Denver. But
3: for for Denver purposes, yeah, that yeah, would suck for for Devonte Adams and guys, we're going to talk about next week in the NFC North. But um, all right. So in terms of the running backs, Javante Williams uh, is our RB 17 in consensus, selected number 35 overall, which was the same draft slot as DeAndre Swift, actually. After the donkeys, the snow donkeys traded up to secure him, John extol the virtues of Javante Williams for us because you're the highest on him.
1: Yeah, I am. Um, and I don't expect uh, Melvin Gordon to be the primary running back there through uh, by the end of the season. I think uh, Javante going to take that job uh, just because Melvin Gordon, he's get, we're, we'll talk about him in a second year. He's getting a little bit older, but uh, he's his he's been known as more of like the pass catching back. And that's not what, uh, Javante does. Jo- we we talked about it a lot in these rookie episodes. Javante is a thumper, right? He runs hard and he's probably not going to catch the ball a lot. That's not what we expect him to do. So I think he's going to win the first and second down job relatively early. And he's going to thump his way to touchdowns is my hope. Uh, that's why I'm having rank so high. Uh, and I just think that, uh, by the time that we get to our fantasy playoffs, he's going to be the primary guy. He's going to run Melvin Gordon off of his job. But even if he doesn't, if he has the 50-50 share that uh, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay had last year, I still think Javante is very fantasy relevant. If it um, maybe is just a flex player on your team, but still definitely uh, a guy that I'm targeting Uh, as an upside guy this season and certainly as the primary guy in denver going forward
2: yeah and my thing john is i think every dynasty player should be trying to get uh javante williams after like week three or four yeah you know when he hasn't really commanded that uh offense yet and they're still trying to uh work in gordon every week because i think that's the lowest his value is ever going to be
1: yeah i definitely agree with that because he's going to take that job from melvin gordon and where's melvin gordon going to go He's at the end of his contract. He's gonna disappear off the plate, face of the planet. Am I f- afraid of Mike Boone? No. Am I nope. afraid of Royce Freeman? No. Javante's gonna be the guy going forward. As soon as Melvin Gordon hits that cliff,
3: Mitch, I remember you being aggressive on Melvin Gordon compared to market before the NFL draft, and you've understandably adjusted. But is he still someone that could return higher value over expectation?
0: Yeah, he does return a lot of value. Um, if you look, there's a there's a chance that he outperforms the rookie, but. Even if he doesn't, both of them might get used equally, 50-50, 60-40, whatever. But I'm saying none of that's really important because Melvin Gordon has put up incredible numbers with limited opportunity. And so this might actually be decent for him. He put up his best season with 175 attempts. So, yeah, I look at him losing some touches here, but that's really never been Melvin Gordon's shtick anyway. So... He hasn't looked good the last two or the uh, two years ago. He looked good last year. So it looked like he was heading in the wrong direction. But now it looks like he might be just kind of hovering there as a running back, too. And so what I'm trying to say is, like, if you're a contender, like, he's going to get an opportunity there, whether it's starting or not. That doesn't really matter to me. So I that's why I still have him as a low end running back, too. But if something were to happen to uh, Javante Williams, like, it, it bursts him. Up there to a, a high end running back, too.
3: He's also dirt cheap. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up getting traded somewhere if another running back around the league got hurt and Javante Williams really did kind of take the reins in Denver. Because, you know, if I'm the Falcons, right. I'd rather right. trade a seventh or a sixth round conditional pick for Melvin Gordon than sign, you know, Le'Veon Bell, who is like clearly cooked. That's a very good point. So I I think there's a possibility that that happens. But I also agree with Mitch that I think he's going to get, you know, some, some decent work here to the point where he's probably a little bit too undervalued in Dynasty. But, you know, obviously, you know, pay the correct price for him, which is very cheap. Moving on to the wide receivers, Cortland Sutton is wide receiver 19 in our consensus. He's 27 in DLF ADP and 25 in DLF's expert consensus. So we're kind of aggressive on him as a group, but that partly has to do with kind of the variance within our rankings above him. His average rank is actually 22 for us, but that spits him out at 19. Mitch, would you consider making an aggressive offer for Sutton, whether you're a contending or rebuilding roster?
0: Hell yes, dude. Either way. Either way um he's wide receiver seventeen for me he's six four target monster i mean he was getting like eight to ten easily every every week in twenty nineteen twenty twenty he was hurt so I think we're starting to forget about him. I think that people are just looking at the shiny new toy in judy and he he's becoming a bit of an afterthought i I do believe that like sutton truthers like most <laughs> most of us here we understand the potential that he has to become that alpha he's got the frame um he's shown that he's QB proof and with the trash that he's had to work with in Denver and his injury last year too was in week two so I, I don't think I have any concerns of him like starting week one this year either and he's just he's the guy for me he's one of those freaks that I want on my team whether I'm contending or whether I'm rebuilding and trying to start a young big, strong, wide-receiving core.
2: Yeah, Mitch, I couldn't agree more, man. The best time to trade for Sutton would have been last year when he got hurt, and the second-best time would be right now Mm because he had a 26% target share in 2019. Like you said, he absolutely soaked up the targets. The guy's clearly an alpha talent, and he's never going to be cheaper than he is right now.
0: He's going to be cheap, but he's not going to be super cheap. Like, what do
2: you guys think? Yeah, but whatever. He's worth the price at this point, is, is my point.
0: Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I I, I think you can get him for a first. Obviously, the the picks are different in one QB versus super flex. If you're talking one QB, you can probably get him for a first and like a really deep kind of upside player like a Brian Edwards, for instance. I think that would get it done,
0: man. I've been trying to trade Miles Sanders like straight up for him. Oh, wow. That's how bullish I am.
3: And I think in Superflex, a, a future first should get it done, right? If, if, if a guy's trying to rebuild his roster and kind of, and really kind of get ahead of that age curve, um, the, the Sutton manager in that league, but let's talk about Jerry Judy for a little bit. Um, and his DLF ADP is actually a bit higher than Sutton and he slots out lower for us at wide receiver 31. So all four of us are higher on Sutton than Jerry Judy and John, Judy's kind of lower ranking is largely because of your ranking of wide receiver 36, which when I was reviewing our ranking sheet, it surprised me just because I know you loved him as a prospect. And once he was selected as a Bronco, you still loved him.
1: Yeah. And, uh, the reason I loved him was the elite route running. Like I didn't think there was anything else that compared to it in that class. And that's what I saw last year. I saw elite route running. Uh, what I didn't, didn't like, uh, was the drop passes. Now that wasn't all on him, uh, part of it was Drew Locke, but uh, I love the number of targets he got. He was top five for number uh, rookie in terms of number of uh, targets. I don't expect that to continue this year. I think that uh, with Cortland Sutton coming back, the, the he's going to have more limited opportunities. So I expect those targets to take a step back. And uh, it's just a matter of does he catch the targets that he gets. So that was the primary concern last year. That was the big red flag for me. If he starts catching those targets, then yeah, I'm going to move him back up to where I had him pre-draft when he was a when he was a rookie. Um, but for now, I'm kind of tempering expectations. I think the market has overcorrected on Jerry Judy because right now a, a lot of places have Jerry Judy above Cortland Sutton, and I would I don't have that in my personal rankings. And I think that time will show that Cortland Sutton is the alpha, as Trey said on that team, Mm -hmm. which is good for Judy because that's going to give him more opportunities to get open over the middle of the field. Uh, Let's just see if he catches those. And if he does, then I'm going to move him back up into the probably the late twenties is my guess.
3: I I was saying on Twitter earlier this week that if, Like John was saying, if I see him clean up the drops, if I see him get targets, I'm going to be very quick to flip those two in my rankings because I like Jerry Judy a lot, Um, but I also really tend to favor the big kind of athletic freaks who profile as alpha receivers. So I'm going to give the nod to Sutton for now. Trey, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Seth Williams, quick stash or trash for each of these guys.
2: All right, so uh, KJ Hamley right now, while I really liked him as a prospect, Uh, he's super cheap, so ADP 82 right now for DLF. So, I mean, when you're in this range, the odds are super low that anybody's going to hit, but I still think he's a sell. (laughs) Um, So I guess that means trash. Uh, Tim Patrick, while he was really good last year, he's already 27 years old, so he's not really a dynasty target at all. Uh, So I guess trash for him as well. And so that leaves him with Seth Williams. So yeah, I mean he's he has a great profile um, as a prospect uh, coming out of Auburn. Unfortunately, he fell to the sixth round. So the draft capital is just not there at all. Uh, but that also means he's essentially free. So he's the cheapest of the group. It's really unlikely that he ever hits, but he's I think got the highest upside out of the
3: three. If you got taxi squad spots in your in your in your league, he. He merits a spot there if, you know, you didn't get other uh, rookies in your rookie drafter as free agents. All right, let's move on to the tight end. That's Noah Fant at tight end seven coming into his third year out of George Kittle University of tight ends. Go Hawks. <laughs> We've seen flashes in both of his first two years. And after the first few weeks of 2020, he seemed destined for elite status, but that didn't necessarily work out. John, you have Mike Gesicki and Cole Komet ranked ahead of Noah Fant, which is a rare sight. Talk to me about that.
1: Right. So, uh, people know me, know I'm from Nebraska and, uh, Noah Fant's from Omaha. So when he came in, uh, that same draft as Hawk, uh, I, I was all about it. Like I, I saw him as a late round, uh, maybe one ten, one eleven in that rookie draft, but uh, I'm afraid that Noah Fant might be fool's gold at this point. Um, TJ Hawkinson, he was tight end four last year in his second year, and Fant was tight end 12, okay, on 15 games. So it's not like he missed a lot of time. What's the problem? What's going on with Fant? Well, in the last two years, he's gotten three touchdowns uh in both those years. So that's my concern. That's why I moved him down. And I don't see any reason why we should expect him to get more than three touchdowns this year. Cortland Sutton's coming back. Uh Teddy Bridgewater might be at the helm and He's not exactly known for throwing to the tight end position. So I'm tempering expectations with Noah Fant right now, and that's why I've moved him down. Um, And I I still agree that with the hype, he's uber-athletic, but for some reason, he's not getting the touchdowns, and I'm not sure that there's any reason to believe that he will in the future.
3: Now, Mitch, on the flip side, you actually bumped Noah Fant up above Mark Andrews, and honestly, I'm kind of into it. So why did you make that decision?
0: Well, to comment on what John's saying... And I've been saying it every episode, so I'll just keep doing it. You got to be patient with tight ends. Noah Fan is 23 years old, and we're worried that he only finished top 12. Like hell yeah, dude! I'm I'm super super okay with top 12 for a 23 year old tight end. Um, he is big, fast, strong, fits that freak profile, and it's just really it's not Andrews. That I, I don't think that he necessarily surpassed Andrews. I think that the that Bateman came in and and took, uh, part of Andrews' value from him for me, because and my
3: boy Tylen Wallace, all
0: <laughs> Jones. But I I think really the problem was in Baltimore it was that there weren't a whole lot of options in the red zone, and I think that you had uh, Mark Andrews as your only like. Red zone options. So now that mm-hmm. Bateman and Tylenol are there, I, I see him getting some touchdown regression. As where I think that um, Noah Fant, it, he's only going up from here. And so maybe I'm beating the market to the party here. But I want Fant more than I want Andrews at this at this juncture.
2: Yeah, and it's it's an interesting point by John there because uh, I I do think that they have showing the tendency to use uh, Albert O, the uh, second tight end, a little bit more in the uh, red zone, which is not great uh, for Noah Fant. You know, I'd like to see him get more of those red zone looks. But uh, to Mitch's point, I'd much rather the tight end 12 as a second-year player be uh, yardage dependent as opposed to uh, touchdown dependent. So I think that's a good sign for Fant. I think it's very possible Fant becomes the number two uh, pass-catching option behind Sutton and uh, kind of becomes the, the – you know, the second primary or the secondary target ahead of Judy. So uh, there's definitely still room for him to grow. I like that Mitch has kind of already got him over Andrew. since, you know, maybe we've seen Andrew ceiling and uh fan uh, could still take that, uh, that jump. But um, Derek, you probably want me to talk a little bit more about Alberto. So, I mean, I, yeah,
3: I, I mean, speaking of big, fast freak, you know, uh, that he's another one. So, and you, Trey, you seem to like him as a stash.
2: Yeah, and I, at this point, it's really just purely a stash. I think he's he's stuck behind the better starter. Uh, yeah, he's got a great size-to-speed combo, um, and he does seem to be getting uh, some some decent red zone targets in that offense, but uh, uh, he's in the same range as some of these other like deep stashes and tight end, um, like Harrison Bryant and guys
3: like that. Uh, so
2: um, I, not somebody I'd be uh, trying to target, but keep it on the end of the bench for uh, down the road.
3: All right, that wraps up the Broncos. Let's move on to our last team, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. At quarterback, Herbie, fully loaded, as our friend Kyle likes to call him, our QB4 in consensus. Rookie of the year, 4,300-plus yards and 31 touchdowns. 55 carries, 20 of which came in the red zone. John, the floor is yours.
1: Well, people who know me know that I have a full-on Herbie rection. Uh, He's got... The, uh, he, was the, he was the rookie QB of the year last year. And uh, Drew Brees came into camp because uh, the Chargers new coach is from New Orleans. Drew, Drew Brees came in and said, the sky is the limit for Justin Herbert. And I totally agree. He's young. He's going to be, I expect him to be elite for the next 10 years. So maybe temper your expectations this year. Maybe put him at QB6, QB7 for this year. But I expect QB1 production for the next 10 years. You draft this guy now. You're not going to have to draft another quarterback forever. He's going to be around. He's going to be elite, and they've surrounded him with talent. They've built up the offensive line. I think that last year was just the tip of the iceberg. I think that once that O-line gets gelled, uh, once they install this new system from New Orleans, that he is going to be a top five quarterback year in, year out. I love Justin Herbert. And if you're listening, Justin, please answer my DMS on Twitter.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, John, I I love it, man. He, uh, he had an awesome rookie year and, and you're right. They brought in some uh, new linemen to help out. So yeah, he's, he's easily a top six quarterback for dynasty right now. Uh, for me, like just looking at those, those quarterback ranks, I've kind of got the top three between Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Uh, and Josh Allen and then that's like the 1A tier and then the 1B is uh, Herbie, Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. So I think they're all sort of interchangeable at this point for different reasons and yeah if you want Herbie and you know what projects to be 10 years of solid production in your QB1 spot then uh, then go for it.
3: So yeah maybe that means to me if you're kind of in the top half of a super flex startup draft try to trade down because this this top six quarterback tier uh, is is pretty sweet, you know, outside of obviously Patrick Mahomes kind of stands alone. But after that, um, you kind of can't go wrong. All right. At running back, Austin Eckler is our running back 16. I have him at 14 and I have him in the same tier as the three or four guys above him. He just turned 26, which is historically the apex of running back production. But he also doesn't have a lot of touches on his body, unlike some of the other guys in that age range. He'll get you about 100 total yards per game, as we've seen over the last couple of years, with a five reception floor as long as he's healthy. And I'm rising on him every day. Mitch, how far off am I there?
0: I don't think you're that far off. I think that just because I'm the lowest on him doesn't mean that I think any less of him. It's right in that tier that we're talking about where he's a running back two who uh gets a lot of passes or a lot of targets so he's got a high floor if you're playing ppr um what he's at 17 running back 17 for me and i i think i realize the potential of him repeating a top eight running back or like running back number eight overall season but i this offense this offense looks great too i just i, I don't know he's not one of those guys that's going to uh command volume. So I think that his value is pretty transparent in that you know what you're probably going to get, which is a running back
2: two. Yeah, Mitch, I I think running back two in terms of dynasty value, but running back one in terms of redraft, because I think he's definitely in that low end one range. And you say he's not going to command volume on the ground, which you're right, but he's probably going to get like 100 targets in the air. So I mean that's that is super valuable and exactly what you want in your um, you know that workhorse running back uh, production. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think we see it a little bit differently. I think there's a lot more upside with heckler than you're giving him credit.
0: Well, sure, but we're all in the same ranking here. Like what you're at uh, 17 as well.
2: 17, yeah. yeah, but and that's factoring in the, that's factoring in his age and the fact that he's you know has had a little bit of trouble finishing a full season without getting injured.
3: I, I'm just saying. I think the top five. Upside, top four upside for a seasonal finish is fully within Austin Eckler's wheelhouse. Absolutely. Definitely. If he scores a few more touchdowns, essentially, he hasn't been a huge touchdown guy throughout his career. So if he can kind of get that uh, a little bit of positive regression there, I think uh, I would like it. So I'm rising on him every day. The other three guys in this backfield that are dynasty relevant, or at least fringe relevant, are Joshua Kelly, second year man, Justin Jackson, and Larry Roundtree, who is the sixth round rookie. They're kind of all fighting for the RB2 role here, which could hold some standalone value if kind of, for instance, they get the Latavius Murray role in Lombardi's offense. Trey, which of these three guys do you like?
2: Uh, Can I say none of the above? Yeah, Uh, sure. (laughs) With you there, buddy. No, but seriously, uh, I mean, Josh Kelly had a terrible year as a rookie. He had 111 rushing attempts last year, so he got decent opportunity, and he only averaged 3.2 yards per carry which is terrible pretty bad now that said uh he's a better athlete and he's got better draft capital attached to him than larry roundtree and i think with justin jackson i think we know what he is at this point i think he's a little bit too small to really hold up as a running back Uh, in the nfl he's missed half the season due to injury the last two years and um i mean roundtree was not very productive at, at missouri either he had less than five yards per carry and uh, kind of showed as a poor athlete in testing. So, I mean, I'm not excited about Josh Kelly, but I do think he's got the best chance to be the number two.
3: Justin Jackson, definitely the best Twitter follow of the three. Yeah, no doubt. At wide receiver, Keenan Allen is our wide receiver 16, which is about his ADP. But that ranking is kind of the product of John and Mitch having him as a borderline wide receiver one, whereas Trey and I have him as a firm wide receiver two. John, he is your wide receiver 12. So make that case.
1: Yeah, I'll make it simple. Uh, he was uh fifth in targets last season with, uh, just, uh, Justin Herbert there. So fifth in the NFL at 147 targets. And I don't expect, I don't necessarily expect that to go down. Uh, I think that we could be talking about Keenan Allen getting somewhere around 150, 160 targets next year. And if that's the case, he's got top five up upside. Okay. Uh, so we've got, we've got this new coach coming in from new Orleans. So, um, I know the buzz out of training camp right now is that uh, Mike Williams is going to be playing a similar role as Michael Thomas, and maybe that's the case. Maybe we, we can talk about that with Mike Williams. But if we, I don't think it's much of a stretch to think about Keenan Allen in that Mike Williams role, uh, getting all those targets. And I, I, th- I guess the biggest argument against Keenan Allen is the touchdowns um, or the lack thereof. And I'm not too concerned about that. As long as he's getting the volume and he's getting the yardage, I see him as a top 12 guy. And that's why I've got him ranked at number 12.
2: Yeah. And, and John, I mean, it's, it's partly the touchdowns, but for me, it's more of the um, average depth of target. It was 7.4 last year, which was very, very low, like bottom, bottom of the league low. And he had something like a hundred catches and less than a thousand yards, which is incredible. So uh, for whatever reason, when he was getting targets, it was very close to the line of scrimmage. And I know he, I know he performed well, like overall last year, but I think you could get guys like Tyler Lockett or Cooper cup who are going to present similar value, like, you know, 1100 yards and seven touchdowns this year. And they're way, way cheaper.
1: Let's just clear it up and say it was 992 yards. So yes, it was less than a thousand, but only barely.
2: Yeah. But I mean, a thousand yard receiving season is like really not that hard to come by anymore. And as for as good as Keenan Allen is for whatever reason in that offense, he was not targeted down the field really at all. And I recognize that's there's fair. a new offensive coordinator there, but maybe that's just who Keenan Allen is at this point in his career.
0: And well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the back end of this and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this very quickly. So I see Keenan Allen with wide receiver one overall potential this year with Justin Herbert there. And that's why I have him at number thirteen in my ranks, um or maybe twelve. Um I think I can make a good argument for him just being the number one, the alpha in that offense with Justin Herbert, he's going to have to throw the ball to somebody and like and that guy is Keenan Allen. I have no faith in the rest of the guys there. And I think he can get it done with that rookie season. Justin Herbert had Who like Keenan Allen to me is has got to be like like you said on the last guy, like in uh, redraft. Hell yeah. Keenan Allen
3: this year. Let's talk about the rest of the guys. Mike Williams is wide receiver 61 in our consensus. He's my wide receiver 48, and I can see him creeping up a little bit more even ahead of the season. I think there's a chance we see him have a career year and then get paid on the open market next year. If we believe Herbert, unlike Rivers, is a talented downfield thrower who is going to rack up more than 4,500 yards next year, I think it's not crazy to see Mike Williams finally put it together for that elusive fifth-year breakout. And I know historically that is not a great bet, and Mitch, your ranking embodies that. So what do you hate about Mike Williams?
0: I hate that he registered an 80% snap count all year last year and put up wide receiver 46 numbers on that offense with that quarterback. Um, I, I think it's pretty cut and dry that he sucks and he's a bust. Maybe they convert him to tight end and I'm back in but, uh, no, probably not. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, like Tarek, you and I have put some money down on parlays. Like we understand why the payout is so high, right? It's, it's because the odds are bad. And like, I get wanting to root for this guy because of like, well, you know, with this offense, it just might. And I'm saying the odds are bad because he's bad. Yeah.
2: And I don't know that he's bad bad but i mean
0: just justin, justin
2: herbert was a was a rookie last year and he had an, an, an incredible year for a rookie but his deep ball completion percentage was was 38 and percent which was only good for 21st in the league so i think we might be a little bit premature saying he's an exceptional downfield passer when he's still got some uh some room for improvement there so yeah i do think there is a possibility mike williams could step into the uh the michael thomas role but uh I, I'm with Mitch. I don't think the odds are very high.
3: That's a good point, Trey. I I, I appreciate you kind of reining me in on anointing Justin Herbert as a great downfield thrower. Uh, John, I, I know you do like Mike Williams, so you want to back me up here a little bit.
1: Uh, I when he hits, he hits hard, right? So like in the games where he is on the field, he's getting touchdowns and he's. Uh, connecting with Justin Herbert. And that's a beautiful thing. The issue has been him staying healthy. And I think that's the biggest question.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I was admittedly high on him coming out of Clemson. So I think this might be a little bit of take lock. Um, but, you know, I, I'm i kind of grasping at straws, hoping that, you know, Justin Herbert in his second year can unlock him. But I recognize that it's not a great bet. All right. Josh Palmer was the surprising third round pick out of Tennessee. No production to speak of in college, but kind of great size and athleticism. So Trey, being a guy who relies heavily on analytics in prospect profiling, what is your feeling about Palmer's ceiling here?
2: Yeah, so uh, he comes in with really good size and he's got a super low ADP. He's wide receiver 75 right now for DLF. So that's the same area as guys like Nico Collins and Traquan Smith. So if you want them, you're not going to have to give up a lot to get them. Uh, and the hit rates are so low in this range that I'm not like too mad. If you want to take a shot at a guy who could profile as the number two and the Justin Herbert offense a year from now. And, um, I, if you look at the tape and and what he had at quarterback, I think the tape excuses the lack of the production a little bit. So, um, I honestly, I think it's a, it's a decent stash uh, for a guy like Palmer and, um, But, I mean, for some of these rookies coming in, we did a rookie draft about a month ago. Uh, You know, obviously, he wasn't a guy that I was targeting before, like, the middle of the third round.
0: Um, I've seen him go in the third round in almost every rookie draft that I've been. I feel like the uh, closer we get to the season, more people are reining in the idea that, oh, look, third round pick on the uh, the Chargers, eh? Uh, Get in on that with everything else on the board. And I think that's kind of the the mentality that we have to have right now because there's just not a lot else to go off of on this guy.
3: There's Jalen Guyton and and Tyron Johnson there, too. I, I don't want to spend any time on them. I think, you know, you can put them on the last spot of your bench if you want, but I don't think you're expecting too much. I mean, Justin Herbert made them relevant for games at a time, but I'm kind of like thinking that's more of like what we talked about with Patrick Mahomes in the beginning of the episode, you know, like there's a guy every once in a while, Demarcus Robinson Byron Pringle is going to have a big game, and that's just because they're attached to a really good quarterback, but not someone you want to rely on in Dynasty. All right, close out the show with the tight end group in Los Angeles. This is a fun and difficult tight end room to try and parse out. We have old man Jared Cook on a one-year deal, the 6'8 Parham, Donald Parham, and the third-round rookie McKitty, who is rated by NFL.com as a sixth or seventh-round prospect. All of them are ranked outside of our top 30. But I think there's some value here that we need to unpack given this Justin Herbert QB situation and what Hunter Henry is leaving behind. John, what do you think?
1: I think that at at his current ADP, which is like the 14th or 15th round, Jared Cook is a good value for this year. Uh, I expect him to produce, but um, they drafted his replacement in Trey McKitty. And so if I have one, I'm hoping I have both. Um, I think that's a nice play in Dynasty where you have Jared Cook and you watch him. uh, Hopefully he scores some touchdowns this year like he has in the past. Um, He gets you that production. And then someday, maybe it's this year, probably next year or the year after Trey McKitty takes over and you've got both of them Um, because I'm completely discounting Donald Parham at this point. Uh, I think that if they liked what they had in Donald, then they wouldn't have drafted Trey McKitty. So he's kind of off my board at this point.
0: Wasn't McKitty a
3: blocking guy? Yeah, mostly a blocking tight end coming out of uh, Georgia. Yeah, I don't want none of these fools.
2: It is a super murky situation, so I kind of like John's approach. Just take pick two of them, and uh, Jared Cook probably will be the the guy who's like leading the room this year. But um, you know we're probably not going to know for sure until like two or three weeks into the season. And if you want to just see how the target share shakes out, how the snap count shakes out after the first two or three weeks, then be real aggressive about getting the leader at that point, then maybe that's the best strategy for for attacking this situation. Yeah, I
0: agree. Be, be real aggressive and go get Jared Cook. You heard it here first, boys. <laughs>
3: well I think the flip side of that is if you have Jared Cook and he has a good game or two in the beginning of the season that's a guy that you can sell because he's on his last legs, very clearly. So he he's a guy that you can either ride because he'll get you, you know, some good tight end production for a year, or you know, if you're rebuilding, just flip him. Uh, I think that's uh Dynasty 101 there, right? Yep. All right, guys. We're gonna close the show out there. One more reminder, if you are interested in joining the long game show league that we're gonna try to get up and running within the next couple of weeks in the height of startup season. DM us on Twitter at TLG underscore dynasty. Looking for guys who want to be in it for the long game or girls. Hey, intended. Hey, and uh, as long as you're into dynasty, you listen to the show and uh, we're not in a dynasty league with you elsewhere. That's kind of what we're looking for. All right. So hit us up on Twitter. All right, guys. Peace. Bye. See you. All right.